Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast, presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Luke Wyatt. We'll get right to our segment with Luke. We'll talk baseball and a little bit of football at the end, so we hope you enjoy today's show. Luke Wyatt joins us. It is Monday. Vanderbilt has taken a series from Georgia to improve to 9-0. Not sure we had that on the bingo card or the continued (laughs) offensive explosion (laughs) that's lasted three weeks now. But, Luke, uh, we, we got that to talk about today, and thank you for joining us. Absolutely. It's uh, been a tough week for everyone and uh, with what happened in Nashville and then at Fort Campbell. And uh, I, uh, baseball always takes a backseat to stuff like that, but it was an enjoyable weekend at the Hawk. The weather was great, especially Sunday. And uh, three more wins, Chris, and uh, the beat goes on. Well, let's start with the tragic situation at the covenant school i haven't talked about it on the podcast that's where i went to church for six years before my wife and i moved to nashville so Mm -hmm. i've been a little disconnected from that church for about a dozen years but i know that i know people there that were affected um one of my brother's best friends from high school uh, lost a daughter in the shooting it's just as awful and really I appreciate the way Vanderbilt handled it with the tribute and the, the flag at half staff. And um, look, there's been a lot of donations and things. I will tell you from having gone there, Covenant's not hurting for money. I, I don't mean to be insensitive for that, but uh, the, right. I know the thoughts are appreciated. But really, what what I think a lot of people need are prayers because that affected a lot of people that I know, and it just is heartbreaking to watch that any place, but. You know, I, I think to how much time I spent in that building, and you know, frankly, if we had not moved down to Franklin, we'd probably still been there. And uh, there, there were nine-year-olds who, who lost their lives. I've got a son is nine, so it's not hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And I know there's a lot of Vanderbilt ties to that church, and probably some people out there listening who go there or know people there. And it's just an awful situation. But if you're listening. Please keep that congregation, that school, that church in your prayers. Absolutely. You know, Chris, I go back to the Uvalde thing. And, uh, you know, when it's, a, when it's not in your as close to home as this hit, which is right in the heart of home, sometimes you just slough it off. Uh, I mean, you feel for the folks, but you don't really spend as much time maybe thinking and dwelling on it. And it's just so hard. And, uh, I don't know as a parent, I'm not, I don't have children, but I do. I have nieces and nephews that I treasure just like a, my own. And I can't imagine the hole it puts in your heart. I, I, I can't, and I, none of us can. And all we can do is pray and love on them. And uh, maybe the money can go toward some type of more security. I don't know if that would have mattered. I don't know about all that, but something that they can use it for, for the good. Yeah, evil just always seems to find a way if it wants it bad enough, and I, I just feel like I, I've seen I've seen enough evil lately uh, to to last me a while. But anyway, yeah, 
no doubt. It's been a month. Um, baseball. Let, let's talk positive things. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not shocked at Vanderbilt sitting here. You know, I would have said probably after three weekends, if you had made me guess, I would have said probably five and four, six and three, you'd, you'd feel really good about things. You, you never know sometimes who's going to be good and who's not. But nine and oh really wasn't on my radar th- this time three weeks ago. No, I don't think it's on anyone's radar, but the, 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 uh, the change in, uh, approach has been the key uh, offense obviously uh sunday's game was the way i thought we would win games great pitching timely hitting uh even though we left 12 on base it was still we still hit a lot of barrels even on sunday double digit barrels so I, you know I, I can basically when you if you tell me we're sitting here at nine and oh if you just win one game out of every series left the seven series left that puts you at 16 14 you and I both were thinking 16, 14, 17, 13 was the ceiling for this team. Now you can, you can honestly see 20 wins. Um, you know, they're not going to win every game. That's for sure. But the way they're playing, you can take that lineup, throw it in a hat, pull them all out and, and, and bat them any way you want to. Everyone's kind of similar. They all got a little bit of pop. Uh, Shrek's a little bit above everyone else. But besides that, I mean, that lineup just keeps on, you know, even the guys that aren't hitting high for average, like a bulger, he's hitting the ball in the nose. He may have hit the ball better than anybody over the weekend, didn't have a lot to show for it. I just, uh, I'm amazed by how good they're hitting, that we haven't had to go deep into our bullpen, which I think that's going to be key for us later on, because you know that we're going to have to do that to win some SEC games. And, uh, I mean, you just take take those W's and put them in the bank and, uh, see if you can just not get swept any weekend series. If you don't get swept and win one or two, you're going to be up there right around 20 wins. It just seems like it is one surprise after another with this bunch. And let me just start with working backwards to the most recent surprise. I thought that Sunday was going to be a really rough day for Devin Futrell. The wind had been blowing out of that park. He is a guy who gives up, I don't know, fly balls, somewhere between 30, 35% of the time, which is a, a good number. Um, when the ball is hit, he's going to give up more fly balls and he's going to give up ground balls. He's not a really high strikeout guy. And I just thought Georgia can really freaking hit. We've seen it before. They've hit Vanderbilt the last few years. I, I really did not expect Vanderbilt to take all three games. Um, you know, when, when Georgia gets that sixth spot in whatever, the fifth or sixth inning or wherever it was, I just thought here it comes. And, you know, Vanderbilt instead finishes with eight scoreless or eight straight runs to end that game. But I just thought it's like Sunday's the game that it just could really cave in on them. And instead they get one of their best pitching performances from anybody they've had all year. And Chris, the, let's say this. I understand the three teams we beat are the three teams at the bottom. But we have a lot to do with why they're at the bottom, number one. And number two, the Mississippi State can hit, and Georgia certainly can hit. Georgia has one of the best lineups, I think, in the SEC. So that was a good measuring stick, uh, stick for our pitching staff over the weekend. So, you know, I, as much as people kind of poo-poo that we owe you 9-0, but you play possibly the three worst teams, uh, we have a lot to do with why they're 
where where they are. So I'm just going to give credit and say, hey, look, everything in front of us, the schedule, we've we've seen it, and uh, we've just been playing well, and we've won what now, 16 of 17. So uh, you know, there's there's nothing you can say. It's hard to find a negative. The fielding has been perfect in the SEC, literally perfect. Uh, zero errors in nine conference games. Uh, the pitching has been amazing. Uh, I think LSU may be a better staff ERA. I don't know. But besides that, I, it's hard to find a negative with these guys. Look, we'll know more when the schedule gets tougher. And, and some of the teams that we didn't know were going to be tough teams, like Kentucky, South Carolina, th- those are going to be series that and fortunately for Vanderbilt, both those that are home, I think those will tell us more. I think Kentucky and South Carolina are probably both top five teams in the country. But you could make an argument. I'm not sure that I would, but you could make an argument that the best team in the country right now is probably either Vanderbilt or Wake Forest. And I'm looking down at run differentials in the league. Here's here's how they go, top to bottom. Vanderbilt plus 82, followed by Kentucky plus 50, then drop off all the way down to South Carolina, plus 32, LSU plus 23. And LSU's played a tougher schedule, so that factors in. And then there's only, what, one other team in the league with the positive run differential in league play. That's Alabama at plus two, and Alabama is three and six. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS, When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. Yeah, and and Chris, I didn't see it. I don't see anything slowing down now. Not that we're going to sweep Missouri, but I feel like we have a great chance to win two of three up there. I think when we come back home against Carolina, we have a great chance to win two of three against them. I know they're hitting the ball well and they're one game behind us, but I don't know that it's the opponents that's going to be that big of a deal. But we are going to have to start winning some games like we did Sunday. The four to nothing type game when you don't get the run calendar out and you get double digit runs. Uh, th- that was how I envisioned us being. And I still think it will come around to that, especially against the tougher opponents. But look, I, I, I'm one that's saying we're still going to hit the ball well throughout all of this. It'll drop off some when you start facing some of these Friday night starters that the better teams have. But my goodness. Uh, we have we've hit just about anything thrown out there. Even the guys that are throwing that junk that we used to have trouble with. Well, see, and that's the funny thing. I was thinking this weekend because the pitching is going to get better, but it's it's the guys that are the I don't know the the ADRA pitchers who don't break eighty three a lot of times that 
give them. Although Georgia had a lot of power arms, um, I don't know. I just it, it seems to me like, and really, no team in this league has got a lot of pitching. Man, you look around. LSU yeah. after Skeens, its pitching staff gave up more than one run an inning. If you take him out this weekend, Florida starters all got bombed. I think you've got three teams in this league with really good starting pitching. Florida could be the fourth. Well, not Tennessee does too, but Tennessee's guys are struggling. But right now you've got three teams, that's Vandy, South Carolina, Kentucky, that are getting really, really good consistent starting pitching. That uh, you got some other teams that have got some arms, but it's not showing up right now for whatever reason. And then you've just got them locking it down in the field, as you've noted. Right. I, you know, the, I, I don't know, and maybe you can help me with this. The South Carolina-Kentucky pitching, is this from uh, guys they've developed or is it through the transfer portal? Um, Kentucky's guys have been mostly the, the, the top guys. Darren Williams is back from a year ago. Tyler Bosma's back from a year ago. They threw well this weekend. Their closer, I think, is Ryan Hagen. I was thrown pretty well. He's back. Now, the Kentucky rebuilt its entire lineup um, hitting-wise. And, and Carolinas are guys that have been there mostly. It's James Hicks. It's um, Noah Hall, it's Jack Mahoney, and of course Will Sanders, who's their most talented guy, potential first rounder, really has not pitched well at all. So Carolina's got a little bit in the tank that it's not tapped into yet. And Cassis is just killing the ball for them, right? Yes. Yeah, I thought he was. That's uh, you know, yeah. I again, I, I'm just trying, and I'm trying to be realistic about all this. But as long as these Eight, nine guys. I'll throw Hewitt in there, too, because he's – Corbs knows he needs to keep him going because at some point you're going to need him. Uh, and then throw in Espinal, too, because at some point you're going to need him. I just feel like those guys uh, are, are all hitting with the right acumen. They're, they're using their head. They're not – you don't see as many lunges swinging at pitches, you know, over their head or two feet outside. And I don't know – how, how all of a sudden you become that disciplined, but they have, and to credit to whoever, Mike Baxter, you know, he gets a lot of criticism, especially did during the early part of the season. So you got to give him the credit for uh, correcting this. And they did it as a unit. You know, sometimes you see, okay, a couple guys come on, maybe three guys, but my goodness, it's the entire lineup. You know, yeah. it's twice. I don't go back and look at last year, I guarantee you, I don't know if there was a game where we only struck out twice. Yeah, I mean, Vastine is the nine-hitter, and he scares me to death yeah. if I got a pitch to him. I mean, it, it's it's hard swings, and when he connects, it goes somewhere hard. Now, there's a lot of swing and miss there, and Polk's kind of the same way, but those are two guys that are just a nightmare to pitch to because they're going to take their hacks, and if you hang one somewhere, it's going to get hit somewhere hard. They are. And, you know, I, the one thing I'm also looking for outside of the hitting, I'm looking forward to seeing some more of these pitchers that we have not had to use. Uh, yeah. We've got to get some innings from some guys. You know, Grayson Carter, I assume, will start against Western tomorrow night. Uh, and let's say he can go four. Then I, I'm ready to see Horn if he's ready to go physically. I know Ducanich is still a way out. Uh but I, I want to see that freshman. You know, J.D. Thompson, people forget this. He came in in that 17-inning fiasco we had with Evansville and was lights out, brother. 
and I know it's yeah. Evansville and all that. He was terrific. And he was a kid you weren't even counting on. Yeah. And Evansville's not awful either, by the way. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying yeah, you wouldn't have expected that a kid would come in in that situation and pitch that well. We haven't had, but maybe two bad outings, you know, Bryce had the, the gave up the home run and, uh, seemed like, but he bounced back beautifully in that same game. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is Dukanich. I think they thought Dukanich was maybe the third best starter on the staff coming in. And he just has not been right for whatever reason that the injury is a hamstring, which you don't yeah, see that scary. often. Although you saw it for the Braves, Max Freed pulled a hammy on opening day and he's going to go on the aisle. Hammies can take a little bit. So I don't know for pitchers, how long that's going to take, how severe it is, but that's the issue. And I think the issue with Horn was an appendectomy, of all things. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Okay, you know, you go back to the hamstring thing. The problem with the hamstring thing, and I, this is more toward football with me that I've noticed, you want a kid, when he's 100%, you give him another four or five days. That's because you don't want – there to be think well I'm ninety percent you don't you need to be a hundred and ten percent if that makes sense for the hamstring because if you pull it again you might pop the whole thing and then you're done for the year. Yeah. Hey these these are <laughs> they they've got all kinds of pitching depth. I mean we didn't see Schultz this weekend we only saw Maldonado for an inning and that's against a Georgia team that can really freaking hit. I mean. This is the team yeah. that was set up to absorb short starts anyway, and it's not getting them. The starters are going deep into ball games. Well, Devin, you know, you can argue had the best, and well, it's not really an argument. I mean, Carter pitched great on Friday, but Devin was awesome Saturday. He was fantastic. If he pitches like that to go along with what Hunter and Carter have been doing, my goodness, we we're going to be in every contest. Yeah, and Hunter Owen, if people are just judging by the the line, he pitched better than the line showed. He had Cunningham came in and wasn't on top of his game, gave up a home run that, frankly, if the wind is not blowing out hard, that ball's caught probably in front of the warning track. And and instead of four runs charged to him or whatever it was, I think one or two of those might have been Bryce Cunningham's. But anyway, instead of a grand slam, it's probably a fly out. Now, look, they got the benefit of some of that too, the one that Bradfield hit in the first inning Saturday, doesn't get out without a pretty stiff breeze, too. So it works both ways. But um, I, Owen pitched better, I thought, than the the numbers that ended up on the box score. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, uh, I, I guess, you know, going back to tomorrow night, I'm thinking Carter, and then you'll see, what, probably Patrick Riley as well. Uh, yeah, that's Patrick, the way they usually guys, go. One of those guys that if he ever gets his control down, I mean, he's as good as anybody. You guys good enough stuff, yeah. excuse me, anybody. So, you know, you, you can't count those guys out, too. And the more you win, the more confidence you build, the more confidence those kids have to say, hey, I want to get, I want to be part of this party. Let me in here. Let me throw a couple things. Let me show you I'm ready to roll, too. You know, everyone that has contributed on that pitching staff has gotten the opportunity. You know, and the thing is, it's just they're not striking out a ton of guys like the rest of the league. They've got a defense behind them that they can trust. The the positioning has been phenomenal. And that infield, I've I've never seen an infield in college, at least at Vanderbilt, that has locked it down for as long as this one has. They make all the ordinary plays. They make some good ones on top of it. And it's just – 
it, it's a defense that you as a coaching staff can sleep well at night because there's just there's no Diaz the way that Diaz has transitioned to third, and I guess he played there some last year. He is so comfortable there. Third base is kind of an underrated position in college. Uh, you yeah. see a lot of hiccups at third, and, and and Davis has made all the routine plays and some tough ones too. Well, Bastine has been a. You, would you have thought Bastine would be an upgrade from Carter Young at shortstop? He has been big Carter upgrade. Carter had an injury, but a big upgrade. And then R.J. Austin is just a star in the making. That kid, I love the way he plays. Um, I think Corbis has said it, and I totally agree with it. He's a 70s style ball player that comes to the ballpark with his lunch pail and goes to work. Doesn't say a whole lot, just plays and plays hard the whole time. And then Parker Nolan has gotten better and better at first base. Um, and it all comes with confidence, Chris. When your bat starts going well, you pick it up on the field. And when you're making great plays in the field, it helps your bat. So, you know, I, it's just uh, they've gotten, like I said, 9, 10, 11 guys that you feel good about when they walk to the plate, and you also feel good about when they're in the field. Yeah, and Parker, I think, is just benefiting now from a lot of reps at first rather than playing some thirds yeah. and firsts, some DH. And I don't know that he's ever played first base this many games in a row, and it feels like it is starting to pay off. Yeah, you know, last year in in, in our struggles, it was because we we never did get settled the whole year, really, at first, third, and left field. Uh, and now it seems like we are, <laughs> it's kind of set in stone. Although left field, you have Polk and Hewitt that can play out there. And I know Hewitt always comes in the seventh or eighth just about every game because Corpus wants to keep him uh, in game condition. Because, I, like I said, I think he knows Calvin has, has a proven record that he's going to come around and start hitting the ball better. Yeah, that, that's been one of the things. I mean, that and, you know, the fact that Leneve is not kind of gotten back to where he was this time two years ago or or a couple of disappointments but I mean there's just been so many good surprises that haven't mattered yeah the only disappointments I would say uh, are McKenzie and Leneve and it's you're in a situation where you can't really give them at bats I mean maybe you could tonight um, or tomorrow night against Western uh, but it's going to be tough for him to give get back in a groove you know Leneve was very similar to what Cassis was and then Cassis, of course, transferred. I felt like Leneve could be like Gavin Cassis. I mean, two years ago, he was hitting the cover off the ball. Yeah. Yeah, for, for whatever reason, it just hasn't, you know, I, I don't know if it's health or rust or whatever. It just hasn't happened for him. But, you know, the, the other thing about the lineup too, Luke, is we talked about Bradfield just couldn't get going. He's going now. I asked him after the game Saturday – if he was healthier, he denied that there had been an issue. I, I'm, I'm skeptical of that. I mean, and I'm not blaming the kid. He's a draft prospect. You've got a lot of incentive not to talk about being hurt. Right. But my my eyes tell me he's a different player than he was, say, a month ago. Well, Enrique, and, and I've said this. Time and time again, it's no I think secret. Enrique just blew by you on the interstate there. <laughs> yeah, he did. Well, I'm actually parked at the Parsons Loves Truck Stop. <laughs> gotcha. I've been up here do, doing some work with my wife. But anyway, uh, no, Enrique, uh, you know, I said he was going to come on, and he's the straw that stirs the drink. Without Enrique, 
I don't know that any of this gets done because he just adds so much confidence and takes so much attention away from the batter when he's at the plates or, or when he's on base, when he's at first or second. You know, the, the, the coaches and the pitchers are so preoccupied with him. You get a lot of walks, you get a lot of hit batsmen, or you get pitches that miss location and they get hit, knocking a run. Well, and this is water's wet, the sky is blue, but he made a couple defensive plays this weekend. One of them was oh, the ball yeah. that he he runs down in the, the ninth, I think it was, on Friday and, and just crashes into the wall, and he's just sitting there motionless, it looked like, for a few seconds from what I could see from the press box. Um, and yeah, then finally I, he moves because, and gets up and, and stays in the game. And I wondered, like, is he going to not be in the lineup next day? Well, he was, and it was like nothing ever happened. But that was that was one of the best catches I've ever seen. But there was one that was, I think, on par with it. There was a ball that was hit in front of him. I, I want to say this was also Friday. And it's just one of those balls that off the bat, you're like, that's just a little, you know, kind of a dying quail that gets in in front of every other outfielder. And you're right. I'm already starting to almost look down and write it in as a single in my scorebook. And he just turns on the Jets and I'm not going to say made it look easy, but just you, you kind of know when you've been to a, hundreds of ball games in a park and you see balls hit off the bat. Sometimes you're fooled, but a lot of times you, you see a ball, you see the speed at which it's hit and the trajectory, and you kind of know what's a hit and what's not most of the time. And he made a play on one that I just, off the bat, I'm, I'm going in my head, 100% that's a hit. And he, he made a play on it, and he, I don't even think he had to dive to make it. I'm going to go back a ways on this, Chris, but you being a Braves fan, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. He reminds me of Otis Nixon, who played for the Braves. And yeah. could make yeah. spectacular catches and just outran the ball a lot of times his his raw speed he gets he's got two things going for him not only does he get a great jump he can outrun the baseball so you've got to hit the ball i mean he covers so much ground and when we play if if we get to omaha or even at hoover when you got those big outfields well that's a check mark in vanderbilt's favor having that guy out in center yes yes yeah, I wonder if they'll make any changes to the balls between now and postseason. So you're thinking it's the balls more than anything else? I, I, I mean, look, I'm one of these guys. People have a hard time narrowing things down to like more than one cause. I've, I've learned this running message boards. It's like people cannot wrap their head around multiple causes of things. Now, I think we know last year the bats were an issue. The league yeah. has put a lot of time and effort into – process of checking those issues i just think the bats and and the balls are hot out of the wrappers for a better way to put it just you know they're within specs or whatever whatever their spec but i mean i just think that i think that the balls are juiced and and the bats are kind of hot to begin with within the specs that have been i mean i say hot they're they're regulation but i just think that they they hit the ball yeah, yes, and and I think you yeah. throw baseballs in there, you throw small ballparks in there, and this is just what you get. Yeah, I think you may be right. Now, now I will say this, and I think Corbs brought it up on an interview with you. The conditions we've been playing in has a lot to do with it. Those, those, that win yeah. the other day, the, the final score was 16-8, to eight, but I would have not have been surprised if the final score would have been 18-12. to 12. 
I mean, it was right. anytime you hit the ball in the air, you know, I think Parker Nolan had one that was just wind dated big time that would have normally been caught on the track out by the monster, but it went over the monster. Um, you know, if you get it up in that jet stream, it's going on a day like that. And then Sunday, nothing carried other than the one that Maldonado hit. No, the winds had calmed down to about five mile per hour. And that, that was definitely to our advantage with Devin and, uh, but Devin's stuff and his location was so good Sunday. I'm like, man, he, that, if he can pitch 80% of that when he goes out, we'll have a chance on Sundays in every game. They threw, what, six guys this weekend? That's it. Two in each game. Um, and, uh, you know, I was a little surprised that they kept Devin in for the eighth because uh, he got yeah. up to, what, 100, 112 pitches? But yeah. he had been in a rocking chair. I mean, he had been in a rocking chair the whole day, so it wasn't high-stress pitches. And I think they realized that. And, uh, you know, he wanted to give up two hits. So Three. And, look, one of them was that little – the ball that, that dropped in between three guys. It was fair by about three inches. Right. One of them, I think, was a softly hit single in the – maybe the third-ish. And then another one was I – don't, I don't think they hit anything really hard. There, I don't think there was even a ball. The one to Shrek. Yeah, that that was that was nailed. I think that was Connor Tate that hit it, and he just he's you know thirty four years old, still playing college ball or whatever he is. (laughs) By the way, their their radio guy was was cracking me up. He's he was referring to him as the con man. That was his nickname for him. I'm like, I don't know that I'd want to be called Uh, the con man. Yeah, that's not too complimentary. You know, I tell you, one thing that I did notice about Georgia in the 16-8 game when we uh, exploded the eight runs, uh, they had some real uh, foul-ups at third base, and I don't want to single out the kid, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Parks Harbor had a nightmarish day at third base. He, uh, he was he playing was first. You think Will David is he the guy who's playing third for them? Yes, but Parks Harbor played third in the 16-8 game. Oh, okay. If, if you okay, look back sorry. At it, yeah, he did. He he usually plays first, but for some reason, Will David played second, and he played third. And, man, I, I don't think they'll do that again because he was brutal. There was a one play, I don't know if you remember, the, where the ball got away and we wound up getting an extra run yeah, out of it. Yeah, yeah. Harvard, he never went for the ball. The ball was coming, and the shortstop was more towards second base. And When the throw comes in, he just watches it go past him. He never even yeah. made an attempt for the ball. It's like he was a fish out of water at third. And they were just experimenting, I guess, maybe to get another bat in the lineup. I don't know what they did, but I don't think you'll see that again. Well, that was either, and I, I, I looked away, that was either, I think, on the cutoff man or the left fielder because the ball, he was sitting there planted on third, yes, ready to make a tag, and then the ball went probably a dozen feet in front of him on the second base side of the bag. So, And he had a guy coming at him. I, I don't know, maybe if I watched it again, I'd be a little harder on him, but I thought that might've been somebody else's mistake. Well, maybe it's my angle at third. Cause I sat right above the third base dugout and I'm wondering if maybe it's my angle, but it looked like he saw it plenty of time to get, get over and make the play and get the ball, but he just didn't leave the bag. It's like he thought he had a play at the bag and he didn't. There was no way yeah. he to get the guy running. Anyway, I think everybody I, just froze on that play. Yeah. And then he, he also had another one where he dropped a pop-up over, at third, uh, he didn't drop it. I'm sorry, he misjudged the pop up in left field. Now the wind had something to do with it, I'm sure, but you could tell he just wasn't comfortable over there at all. 
you know, back to Vandy, there were two pitching moves that I thought might backfire on them, and neither of them did. One was throwing Laboki, I think, in a spot where it was eight to two. I just thought maybe you want to save that guy for later in the weekend in a tie game or a, a one run game. But, and I got to thinking about it. I mean, Georgia could put up six or seven runs on you in a hurry, which it did <laughs> on Saturday. Uh, you know, and a lot of that came against Bryce Cunningham. And that's the other one where I just thought, man, they got to get him out of here. And Corbin, of course, and Scott Brown get a lot of criticism for leaving pitchers in a long time. But you forget the ones where they let a guy wait it out and it worked out, and that was one where right. it did. That's right. It's almost like we uh, we talk about, and I talk about it a lot, when you hit a barrel but it's right at somebody, you, you tend to forget the bloops that yeah. fall in, like the vast, like the vast time hit yesterday that <laughs> the pitcher lunged at and couldn't catch it. So he gets he gets a, a ball went off the bat at about 50 miles per hour, and he got a single out of it. Anything else from the weekend that stood out? No, just the fact that we just keep on keeping on, and none of the three – uh, parts of our game have faltered yet. Uh, if you want to really, really, really nitpick, you can say, well, we didn't hit the ball quite as well Sunday. But my goodness, if if uh, if scoring nine and a half runs a weekend and only giving up four and a half is, is what we're going to do at, at our worst, then I'll take that. We'll be in good shape. You know, you start to do the math on what would they have to do at a minimum. And like if, if they were to sweep Missouri this weekend, which I think is possible, given how Missouri's been pretty banged up, like at, at that point, what do you need to win six of the last 18 to host? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the committee looks at it and says, well, they didn't play well against the last part of the schedule. But I, like, I don't know how you go – 18 no, and 12 I, in the league and not host. Chris, basically, we just have to play 500 ball. We have, we have 21 games. If we go 10 and 11 or 11 and 10, that's either 19 or 20 wins. That you're a, you're a national seed. Got to be. Yeah, I mean, tw- so, 20 wins and they're they're playing ball in Hawkins Field as long as they can in Omaha for sure. And I think 19 probably does it too. That's what I'm saying. You, they put themselves in a position by winning their first nine. So you got 21. So if you win 11, that's 20 and 10. So if you go 11 and 10, that's all you have to do. Just avoid getting swept, basically. Maybe winning two out of three at home and winning one on the road trips. And uh, I mean, like, if we sweep Missouri, then gosh, you can play under 500 the rest of the way and still get the national. We'll see. Well, think about this. For, well, like, what can you complain about? We are now a month and a half in the season. And yeah, they didn't hit very well much of the first month, really about two, three weeks of it, but they, their defense and their pitching were good enough to win. You can gripe about the central Arkansas game. That's the one bad loss they've had or one terrible loss they had. But I mean, I was at that game. They hit the ball hard. They just hit it at people. I don't know that central Arkansas squared up more than one or two balls all day, but everything just found a patch of, of turf. That was just kind of one of those yeah. days, and they lost it five to four. Other than that, like, what are your gripes on the season? Well, there isn't any. I, like I said, now everyone was uh, spooked by the fact that we weren't hitting the ball great early on, and, and you know, as, as a unit. But like I said, once we changed and flipped the switch on that Friday night against Ole Miss, it was really the game before that. I forget the non-conference game. Who was that before that? Maybe Belmont. 
Um, yeah. We did Belmont was the two, game but, where the bats came alive. Yeah, so I guess if you want to say Belmont is when things changed. But, I mean, we haven't really had a – there. if you've got something to complain about, you're really searching right now. And I, uh, I've watched just about everybody else. I guess I've seen South Carolina and Kentucky the least of the other teams. But I've watched everyone else. And LSU's pitching on Sunday was horrific. It looked like Mississippi yeah. State type stuff. Thatcher Hurd uh, didn't get an out. Yeah, I mean, give credit to Tennessee for hitting the ball. But at the same time, if you want to talk about Vanderbilt hitting, you know, those guys, those tomato cans at Mississippi State, same thing was happening with them. That I'm really shocked. And I noticed Christian Little didn't get any play at all this weekend. Interesting. Well, the yeah. one – the one thing the fans gripe about, and it, it I kind of roll my eyes at it. The, the fans gripe about them leaving guys on base. But here's the thing that I've always said, and that was an issue on Sunday. You, you, that's a problem you want to have. You want to yeah, have a lot of runners on base and just leave them there because without runners on base, you don't score. Look, eventually you're not going to hit 400 with runners on base all year or whatever it's been lately. Um, you're going to run into one of those games where they left 12 or 13 on yesterday. They hit some balls hard. That is just going to happen every once in a blue moon. I saw a little griping about that yesterday, but like that's just you, – you hit the ball hard enough. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the 27 Yankees. You're going to have a few of those. Absolutely. You know, a bad line would be uh, only four hits and one left on. When you're getting six hits and you leave on ten or something, that doesn't bother me because that means you're you're getting opportunities. And they right as long as they keep getting those, you know, most nights you're gonna you're gonna drive them in. Are you ready for the mailbag? Let's do that. All right, we're going to hit some football in the mailbag. We're going to hit some baseball in the mailbag, and we're going to do baseball first. Okay. The mailbag is brought to you by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one's been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell. That number is 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. This one from Pepperdor. Could the success of our starting pitching create problems down the road with starter fatigue and the readiness of our relief pitching? Futrell was absolutely dealing yesterday, and I'm sure the coaching staff didn't want to rock the boat in the middle of a relatively close game to close out a sweep, but eventually we're going to want our pin to be SEC tested, I imagine. Now, that is a first-world problem. Um, <laughs> the, the bullpen's not pitching enough. That they might be the only team in the league that can say that, other than maybe Carolina and Kentucky. Well, and and then again, we don't know how deep Carolina and Kentucky's pitching is. I think we do know how deep ours is, and I do agree that you know, if again, if you want to nitpick and find some something to be concerned about, that's a mild concern. The reason I say mild is because we've seen how the bullpen's done in midweek. Uh, in certain situations, and I, and I feel like there's not a huge difference a lot of times with that. I, I don't think you're going to see uh, guys put in bad situations. And as far as the arms getting tired, no, I, I don't. I don't see it as an issue at all. I think we're fine with that. All right, last one from View Peter. This is football. The more I look at this football team, the more excited I am for the season. Do you think we can win seven regular season games? Well, I, I've came out, I came out a couple of weeks ago and said that six is what I think we'll win for sure. Uh, 
Tennessee, and I think we'll be playing Tennessee with six in our pocket. So can we win seven? Yeah. Do you think we're going to beat Tennessee? Yeah. So, it, But I think we're going to be a bowl team unless we get a, a rash of injuries. I do. The The one thing that I'm a little concerned, I've been to three practices. I know you've been to more than that, but I went to scrimmage in Innsworth last week and been to two others. I'm concerned that the secondary, I'm getting some, what should I say, not false hopes, but they've looked better than maybe they are because the receivers have been injured and they haven't been yeah. tested as much. Uh, that's been the only concern because I do think they're going to be better in the back end. Um, and I really, really love the fact, I think we're going to actually have a legitimate pass rush this year. Uh, that would be the first time since Alan Young. <laughs> uh, yeah. Goodness. That, that's probably not wrong. Uh, yeah. You know, and then, now, and there's the wild card of the running back situation. I don't know what to expect there. I don't because we don't, we won't see two of them until, fall. Uh, so I don't know what to expect at running back. Yeah, I'm not real thrilled with what they've been putting out there, although Cedric Alexander's, I think, picked it up in the last week. Yeah, you got, you, the, you know, when you're a freshman back, learning the blocking schemes is just, just as hard as anything they'll do, and I think that's going to wind up being one of the younger kids that play the most. You're going to have Patrick Smith and Gillespie get carries, and then uh, one or two of those freshmen. Luke, we're done with the mailbag. Any parting thoughts today? No, just uh, hopefully we can go to Missouri and get three more or at least two more and uh, stay on track to uh, maybe getting an Eastern Division title or uh, not too early to talk about even an SEC title. We'll be here to talk about it on Monday. I, I presume you'll be at the spring game? I'll be there. Why do they schedule that for 5 o'clock? I don't know. Night before be Easter. Some, I don't know. Unless they want to get the kids home for Easter. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know that thinking. You know, I, we've had them at all different times. It was, I was at Vanderbilt. I remember a 10 a.m. one one time with Watson Brown. So uh, I don't know what, what the thinking is on time. Yeah. I, I, I thought that, that that's the first night one I remember. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, anyway. I, yeah, I don't know. That All right, will, uh, thank you. That will not be a fun night for the Lee household. There's also a baseball <laughs> game at three, so I don't know how I'm going to handle. Um, yeah, handle all that. But anyway, we'll figure it out. That's why they pay me the big bucks. That's exactly right, man. They can't complain. <laughs> right. Hey, Luke. Thanks for joining me. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.